Uh, well, good afternoon again, everyone. It's a great privilege to come and share God's Word with you. A great treat to come and uh, meet here at 4.30 and to see you all. Uh, how about I'll lead us in prayer and then we'll, we'll think more carefully about these verses together. Our Heavenly Father, we give you thanks uh, for the great joy that you have saved us to be your people, uh, that we can meet together uh, here now uh, to hear your word. And Father, we pray that as we seek to understand it and apply it, that you would shape us by your spirit uh, to be more like your son. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, I want you to uh, imagine for a moment, you know, you're going about your day and you get a phone call uh, and you, uh, you, know, you answer your phone and you quickly realise the person who's calling you, not a, a, a normal person to call you, right? This is someone who is very famous, right? Very powerful, maybe someone who's very rich. Uh, I was trying to think of a good example and the only person I could think of, maybe it's... Uh, Shows um, something about myself, a bit geeky, was, was someone like Bill Gates, right? You know, he's, he's, just, he's got so much money, right? And, uh, you know, influence, right? You can think of someone else, doesn't really matter. Uh, but this powerful person, they call you up, you answer the phone, and, and they start uh, talking to you, and they, after a while they say, look, Kev, insert your name, uh, I've been thinking a bit about my uh, goals and plans, and for the next 12 months, uh, I'm going to be committed to your good, right? I'm going to get all my resources, all my wealth, all my power, all my influence, everything I have is going to be committed to your personal good, right? Imagine, imagine that phone call. That would, that would be crazy, right? I mean, number one, you'd think it must be a scam, <laughs> all right? But if it, was, if it was true, that would just, it would blow your mind, right? It's too, too good to be true. And yet, when you think about it, it is that not a little bit like the promise we see in verse 28 of our, of our passage? Right? Do you see that? Let me read it again. Uh, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. Right? I think implied in the passage, God is the one who is working and he's working for our, for our good. Right? Isn't, isn't that incredible? Right? Does, that, does that blow your mind? Right? This is not some mere human, right, however powerful they might be. This is the God who rules over all, right? You know the sun in the sky? God made that, right? Everything you see, God made that. He sustains all things by his powerful word. Uh, and here it says he's working for our good, right? What an, in- what an incredible promise, right? to read of what God is doing. But if we're going to understand rightly what God has said to us here, there is a key word we're going to have to unpack this afternoon, right? Uh, And it's the word good, right? God is working for our good, but what is the good that God is working towards? Now, just as a bit of an aside, it's important just to affirm that God should be the one to decide what is good. Uh, In our world today, in our culture uh, so often we're encouraged not to look to God as the one who speaks truth, but instead to look inside. You know, it's about following your dreams, your desires, right? Uh, but that's, that would be a mistake. I mean, is that not the heart of sin? <laughs> to ignore God as the one who determines what is good and instead decide ourselves? Uh, no, that would, that would be an error, Uh, We need to know what God says is our good. 
Uh, so let's have a closer look then. So Romans 8, 28. We know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose. Right? So what's God's purpose, his goal for us, the good? Well, verse 29, those he foreknew, those he knew before the beginning of time, he predestined, right? He had a plan for what? Well, here's the good that God is working towards, that we would be conformed to the image of his Son. Right? So to put it simply, the good that God is working towards is that we would be more like Jesus. But notice, it's not just like an individual thing, you know, God working for my good, but it's together, right? Look again, verse 29, God has predestined us. His plan is that we would be conformed to the image of his son so that he, Jesus, would be the firstborn among many brothers. Uh, And of course, we're going to add sisters as well. God's plan is that together as the people of God, we would be more like Jesus, so that we, well, would live with Jesus, our big brother, forever. This is God's purpose, his plan. This is the good to which God is working. Now, what's the time frame with what God is doing? Uh, well, I mean, it, it seems like it's in the present, isn't it? That God is working this now for our good. But there is a future hope as well, right? We know that as Christians, we are never going to be perfect in this world uh, in one sense, one sense we, we, we wait, don't we? We wait for the day that Jesus will come back, the day that we will be made perfect. That is the day that we will be fully conformed to Jesus, that together uh, as brothers and sisters we will live with God. So it's something that God is working on now, uh, but also something that we wait for in the future. Uh, and we see that a little bit further in verse 30, uh, kind of continues on that chain. So God, sorry, those God foreknew, he predestined. Verse 30, those he predestined, he also called. Uh, called here is the, the call of God, and it's an effective call, right? The work of God's Spirit to bring us to faith in Jesus. Uh, those he called, he also justified, right? One of the great uh, truths of Romans, that we have been made right with God. How good is that, right? That we've been justified because of Jesus' death. Uh, and those he justified, he also glorified. And that last part, glorified, is a little bit of a, a, a puzzle to us uh, because one of the things we know from the Bible is that glorification, right, the glory that is to come, is still to come, right? It's, it's something in the future, isn't it? Right? Printed on your outlines, Romans 8, verse 18, what we looked at last week, you know, we, we saw just a, a few verses before. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed to us, right? Our glory is something in the future, which I don't know about you, it's a little bit uh, reassuring. (laughs) I mean, if this is our kind of glorified body, it's it's a little bit disappointing, isn't it, right? No, we've got much more to come. that's, That's our great hope as Christians, isn't it? Right, that we will be glorified, that we will be made just like Jesus. So verse 30, why does it sound like it's something that's already happened? Well, a couple of ideas. Uh, it could be Paul uh, kind of knows that it's so certain that he writes it in, in the kind of the past. Right? We can be so sure of it. I think possible. I, I think more likely uh, he may be talking about a kind of progressive 
glorification. So you see this in 2 Corinthians, that we are transformed in ever-increasing likeness to the glory of Jesus. So in one sense, we could say as Christians, we have a, well, a little bit of glory uh, in being joined to Jesus, but there's more to come, right? We still look for that. Uh, again, possible. Uh, in my opinion, I think most likely uh, is, well, it's a bit complicated relating to Greek grammar. You can come and ask me later if you want. Uh, but basically, the words that Paul uses could be understood as something still to come, right? So, so we're clear that glorification is something that we're still waiting for, right? This is our future, right? That one day when Jesus comes back, or well, when we die, we will be raised with Christ, that we will be made perfectly like Jesus as brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll live together with our big brother, right? That's our, that's our hope, uh, and that's our, our future hope. But now, as we said before, God is still working, right? He's working in us to make us more like Jesus, God wants us to be more like Jesus day by day, to have less sin in our life, right? That we would put to death sin. Uh, and he wants us to be more godly, right? He wants us to have, just like Jesus, an attention on, on God the Father, uh, a genuine dependence on him, uh, praying to him. Uh, God's goal for us is that each day, week, month, year, decade that we would be more like Jesus than when we began. But this uh, work of God in the present is based on the, on the past, right? For what God has already done, that he's called us, that he's justified us, that he's made us right with him. And so knowing that we've been made right with God, that's what motivates us, isn't it? To, to work on our godliness now as we wait for our future when we will be raised with Jesus. So we've seen then uh, so far the good that God is working towards. The good is that we would be more like Jesus. But then point two in your outline, how is God working towards that? And the answer, verse 28, well, pretty straightforward, right? How is God working for our good? Well, he's working. So we know that all things uh, work together for the good, right? So positively, God is using all things uh, to make us more like Jesus. Uh, now, I don't, I don't often uh, get to preach uh, up in church. It's a great joy to come and preach you today. So I thought, you know, during the week, I better do a bit of uh, work on this idea of all things, right? What does Paul mean by all things that are working for our good? You know, I got my uh, Greek Bible software out, looked up some dictionaries, right? What does he mean by all things? And after an exhaustive study, you know what I came up with? It means all things, right? All things. It's it's pretty clear, isn't it? But is, isn't that incredible to think that God would use everything, <laughs> right? The things that are seen, the things that are unseen, all things, right? And, and this is God we're talking about would work together for our good, that we would be more like Jesus. Now, what is included in all things? Uh, certainly suffering, right? That's very much the context of Romans chapter 8, I mentioned before, verse 18, our present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that would be revealed to us. Uh, and, and that's our experience as well, isn't it? That God so often uses hard times to grow us to be more like Jesus. But all things is not only suffering, it includes uh, good times as well. Right? Times we can grow 
in thankfulness. Uh, God can use our internal kind of thoughts, ideas, reflections, things that come to mind, uh, but also our external circumstances as well. Right? God can use all things to make us more like Jesus. Uh, he might use our personal Bible reading. You know, I trust you spend time each day reading the Bible. God can use that to grow you. Uh, or he might use the words of someone else, you know, maybe a preacher who gets up to encourage you from God's word, but uh, maybe a brother or sister in Christ who shares an encouragement uh, over supper, uh, or perhaps the prayers of your gospel team. Uh, God uses all things, right, all things to grow us to be more like Jesus. Uh, but it's worth saying this promise is uh, for those who are Christians, right, believers, Notice all things work together for the good, well, of those uh, who love God than those who are called according to his purpose. It's not two groups, it, it's the same group, right? Those who are believers. And in fact, reflects that kind of truth we see in the Bible, that in one sense a believer is someone who, who loves God, who actively makes a decision to turn to God. And yet, on the other hand, a believer is someone God has called According to his, according sorry to his uh, sovereign choice, he has he has called us uh, according to his purpose. So putting it together, it, it, it's actually I think a pretty straightforward section of God's word, right? God working all things for our good, that we would be more like Jesus. But if you're like me, I think you know we kind of know that in our head, you know we kind of nod along. Yes, okay, makes sense. But the challenge is, I think, do we really believe it? Right? Do we really know? Uh, I think in verse 28, the, the no is like it's an aspirational no. Uh, we should know. We should know that this is the good that God is working towards. See, I think for me, I, I, well, it's so easy for me to be influenced by our world, to come up with a different idea of what is good for me to have a different kind of purpose and goal for my life. Uh, I mean, I, I think for us, we're unlikely to kind of get caught up on, you know, God wanting to bless us abundantly, you know, with oodles of money. Uh, instead, I think more likely, more tempting for us, it, it's something a bit more modest. It's easy to think that God just wants us to be comfortable in life. Uh, that the good that God, sh sorry, the good that God, I can't speak, the good that God should be working towards is a life of comfort. Uh, that the good that God should be working towards is a life free from pain. Uh, that what we think is good, well, is that we would be happy <laughs> uh, in this world. Uh, I mean, I've got uh, three uh, kids uh, aged uh, 13, 11 and 8, right? Uh, and it, it's interesting to think, what do I want for my kids? What are my aspirations, my goals for them? It's, it's very easy just to get caught up on the world, isn't it? To think, well, I, you know, I want them to be Christian, of course, but I also want them to be you know, successful in this world. I want them to be well-balanced. I want them to be happy to have uh, a good life. But, but it's so easy, isn't it, for our aspirations to be the things of this world, to expect that God should be working to our comfort in this life. But can you see, if that's our expectation, if that's the kind of purpose or goal that we have, 
Well, when suffering comes, and it, it, it will, right, we're going to really struggle. We'll say, what are you, what are you doing, God? <laughs> My life's not going in the way that I, I thought. I mean, it's interesting to think back. When's the time recently that you were frustrated? Right? Maybe tempted to kind of shake your fist at God. What, what were you expecting? What was it that didn't happen that you thought should happen? What did you think God should have been doing in that situation? It's so easy for us, isn't it, to sort of take on that idea from the world that the goal for us is that we would just be comfortable, <laughs> have a life that is free from pain. But see, if we genuinely believe the words of Scripture here, if we know that the greatest good is that we would be more like Jesus, then that completely changes everything. It's not that it makes suffering easy. <laughs> you know, like we skip through life with a smile on our face. Suffering's hard, right? But it changes our perspective. We're open to seeing the way that God is growing us through those things for our good to make us more like Jesus. Encourages us to be more radical for Jesus. I mean, why would we be content with such a, a tiny goal to seek comfort in this life? How, how pathetic if that would be the thing that we're aiming for. Why not share God's purpose for our life, which is something so much greater, isn't it? That we would be more like Jesus. That we would be conformed to the image of the Son. Right? That is what God says is our good, that we would be more like Jesus. See, these, these, this verse that we're looking at today, this passage, like it's, it's a wonderfully encouraging passage. Right? Whatever you're going through, to know that God is with you. It's, it's such, a, such a great joy and a, a favourite section of God's word for so many people. But can you see, it's, also, it, it's a bit dangerous, isn't it? <laughs> If God is working for our good, that we would be more like Jesus, well then what are we expecting in this life? But can I say that is for our good, right? Trust God when he tells you that is for our good, that we would be conformed to the image of Jesus. Well, so far we've spent most of our time on verses 28 to 30. Don't worry, right? We're going to... Speed up a little bit, right? We won't have the same rate of verses or we'll be here all, all evening, right? But hopefully, big picture, right? God is working for our good, right? Positively working all things that we would be more like Jesus. But in verses 31 to 39, what we'll deal with much more briefly uh, is the kind of negative point that nothing can stop God, right? Nothing can stop God in his purpose uh, and there's kind of two uh, key truths that we see in this section. Uh, first of all, we see that God is powerful, right? More powerful than anything else. But secondly, that he's for us, right? And both those things are important. I mean, imagine we had a God who was super powerful but didn't care about us. That would not be that great, right? <laughs> or imagine we had a God who, who cared for us deeply but had no power. That wouldn't be that good either, right? No, we need both. And, and that's what we have, right? In the God that we know, one who is supremely powerful and one who is for us, right? So let's have a look. Verse 31, what then are we to say about these things? Well, 
if God is for us, who is against us? Right Now, it's interesting, uh, that question, who is against us? Uh, you might think, well, there's lots of people against us, right? And it seems increasingly as Christians we face opposition in our world. But the point of the question is that, well, it doesn't matter who is against us if God is for us, right? Because God is so powerful, if he is for us, it doesn't matter who is against us. How do we know that God is for us? Well, verse 32, he did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. Right? At the cross, the supreme demonstration of God's love for us, that Jesus would willingly give his life. And so this wonderful question in verse 32, how will he not also with him, with Jesus, grant us everything? I mean, God has been so generous to us in Jesus, right? Of course, he'll be generous to give us not everything we want, but everything we need. Everything we need to be more like Jesus. Uh, verse 30, uh, sorry, the, the next two questions kind of fit together. Verse 33, uh, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Verse 34, who is the one who condemns? Uh, I think suggests that there may be people who will accuse us, right? who may condemn us, whether a human figure or maybe a, a spiritual figure, you know, Satan, the accuser. Right? There may be times where we feel like we've been uh, accused uh, or condemned. But the wonderful truth is that they will not stand. Why? Well, well look, actually God is the one who justifies God is the one who makes us right. Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. It's this wonderful example that God is powerful to forgive. Right? He can forgive our sin. Don't ever think that you have some sin that is too big for God. Right? Christ Jesus is the one who died so that we can be forgiven. And God is willing to forgive all those that turn to him. I mean, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, right? Now there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So important that we hold to that truth, right? If you know Jesus, there is no condemnation. The next question comes, verse 35, who can separate us from the love of Christ? Uh, and then you see a list of uh, hardships, Right? I think Paul is suggesting that we might think that these hardships can separate us from the love of Christ. So can affliction or anguish or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, can these things separate us from the love of Christ? Right, That's the question. And Paul writes this not as a kind of theoretical Christian. <laughs> He's not you know, looking up on Google synonyms for hardship. Oh, there you go, anguish. That's a good one. I hadn't thought of that. I better put that in. This, this is just like a summary of Paul's life, isn't it? This is his lived experience. You look back at Acts and you see the anguish that he faced, the opposition, the persecution. And it's not a surprise. I think that quote from Psalm 44 reminds us this is the kind of expectation for God's people, that we are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. It's quite a striking image, isn't it? Right? To be counted as sheep 
to be uh, sheep, sheep, sheep to be slaughtered. But can these things separate us from the love of Christ? Well, what's the answer? Look there, verse thirty-seven. It's pretty simple, right? What's the first word say? Can these things separate us? No, <laughs> no, they can't. Right? How incredible is that? Right? Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. No, in all these things, we are more than victorious through him who loved us. It may not look like we have the victory in this life, but but that is the truth we know, isn't it? That we stand with Jesus and that we will be raised with him. Now, I look, I, I mean, you know, I'm a bit of an outsider coming to 4.30. I don't often come. Uh, I don't know you that well. Right? Maybe you've come to church today and your life is going well. Praise God. But, but maybe you've come to church this afternoon and actually you're really struggling. Right? Maybe facing anguish or suffering or hardship or opposition. God knows what you're facing. And whatever that thing is, can that separate you from the love of Christ? I think this, the passage is pretty clear, isn't it? Right? Nothing can separate us. No matter what we go through, the ups and downs of life, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Well, the final two verses drive home the power of God. Uh, Paul lists out these things. Death, life, angels, rulers, things present, things to come, hostile powers, height or depth, any created thing. Do they have the power to separate us from the love of Christ? Well, of course, the answer is, is no. <laughs> Nothing is more powerful than God. Uh, it's interesting, I, I think, you know, looking back to verse 28, right? We saw, we know, right? We know God works for our good. Verse 38, it, it, is it just me or does it seem stronger? Right? I am persuaded. Right? Uh, it seems that for Paul, he, I don't know, maybe through that anguish and persecution, God has used those things to strengthen his faith, to grow his conviction, right? so that he can write, I am persuaded. I know for sure that nothing has the power to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Uh, well, I hope uh, this afternoon, I hope these words have, have been an encouragement to you. Uh, some of the greatest words in all of uh, Romans, in the whole of the New Testament, right? Uh, this wonderful encouragement that God is with us, right? No matter what you're going through, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ, right? God is with us in these things. Uh, but I hope it's also been a bit of a challenge to you as well, perhaps reflecting a little bit about what's your purpose Right, what's your goal? Does it match up with what God wants for you? I mean, God wants you to be more like Jesus. Is that your goal? I think a, a good kind of diagnostic question is to reflect on what you pray for. Uh, I mean, surely you pray. <laughs> I mean, we've, we've been reminded that God is really powerful. He's for us. Of course, we should speak to him. I say this to myself as well. Of course, you know, we should keep making sure we, we come before our God in prayer. But when you pray, what do you pray for? Right? I mean, do you pray that your life would go well? That, that's, a, that's a good thing to pray, right? 
can pray that. You can speak to God and ask him that your life would go well. Do you pray that God would relieve your suffering and pain? That's, that's a great thing to pray. Right? We can ask our God, the one who is sovereign. That's, that's a great thing to pray that God would relieve our suffering. But is that all you pray? Sounds like it's raining. Do you pray that the rain will stop? <laughs> right? A great thing to pray. God's in charge of the weather. All things are in his hand. Right? We can pray about all these things. But do you pray that you would be more like Jesus? It's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? But can I say it is the very best kind of prayer. Brothers and sisters, this is the good that God wants for us. The good that God is working towards. That we would be conformed to the image of his son. As we look forward to life forever with brothers and sisters in Christ. Living with our big brother, the Lord Jesus. And let me lead us in prayer. Our Father, we're so thankful that you are the God who we know, that you are powerful, that you are bigger than anything that we might face, and that you are for us. What a great truth, and we pray that you would remind us of that each day, that we would take great comfort and courage, knowing that you are with us in whatever we face. And Father, we pray that we would not be content with earthly gain, but that we would set our eyes much higher, that we would live our lives to be more like Jesus, that you would shape and grow and change us to be more like your Son. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.